unscripted, unbound, unconditional. Welcome to The Well Unfiltered. I'm Mindy. I'm Nicole. And we are the hosts of The Well Unfiltered podcast, where each episode you'll hear unscripted faith stories that will make you think. Unbound life lessons that will crack you up. I'm talking adjust your waistband laughter. But most of all, unconditional grace and love that will help you connect to God and to other women. Welcome to The Well Unfiltered. All right. Well, welcome back to The Well Unfiltered. We are excited because this is episode two, and we are kicking off our Unfiltered series. And this includes conversation about all of the stuff that we typically avoid. We're talking about addiction and recovery or abuse or mental, all the things that we often push under the table, especially in faith communities. Mm-hmm. And so I'm excited because we have a very special guest that will kick that off for us. Mindy, tell everyone about our special guest. Yes, I'm so excited about our special guest, our first guest ever on our podcast. And can we just be real for a second? Our first guest also brought us matching headphones. I mean, so this is, it's, it's real. It is. It's real, we real. We just want to celebrate you <laughs> yes. for upgrading us. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> we needed it. <laughs> so our first guest is Dawn McCord. And Dawn is just so many things to so many people. She is a member here at St. Luke's. Um, actually, when which is where uh, Nicole and I are associate pastors. And when I actually interviewed at St. Luke's, she was one of the first people that I met. So oh, of wow. course I wanted to come here because I met Dawn. <laughs> um, but Dawn and I, we also have a very high trust relationship mm. because Dawn is the woman who cuts my hair. <laughs> Talk about trust. There is no greater, That's true. no greater love, no greater trust Absolutely. in this world. And so Dawn has been in Indy for your whole life, right? Since I was 12. Yeah. I moved here when I was 19, um, in 1980 and I was 12 and my aunt and uncle go to this church. So I've been going to this church since I was 12 years old. Yeah. Wow. So. Yeah. And she's just amazing. She's a mom. She's a wife. She's active in the community and just really has such, I think, a heartfelt, compelling and honest story to tell about what it's been like to be a mother to a son who has journeyed through addiction and recovery. And so, mm-hmm. Dawn, we're really glad that you could be with us today to tell your story. I'm grateful that you're willing to tell mm-hmm. your story. It's It's been a long, hard road, and I can tell our story without breaking down into sobs, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that I won't tear up. That's so, all right. Yeah, and I'm here. honored. Thank you for having me, and mm-hmm. and I'd like to just help get the word out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I wondered, you know, I, I say there's a couple different ways to tell a story. I call it the Campbell's version <laughs> and the Progresso version. So Campbell's <laughs> is the condensed suit version, and Progresso is like all this stuff. So for the sake of today, will you give us sort of the Campbell's version, the condensed version of what your story has been like? Sure, absolutely. So Carson, my youngest son, he is 20 now. He, When he was 15, he was going into his freshman year of high school. Mm-hmm. And he, like most teens, started experimenting with um, drugs and alcohol, well, marijuana and then and alcohol, and doing the things that adolescent teens do. You know, they experiment. They push the um, envelope. They, they're trying to rebel. They want to be independent. Mm-hmm. So, and he is a, um, a good student. He is, um, he's kind of like the cool, you know, the cool kid in school. He's a great athlete. And, um, 
so as we were going forward, he, um, his sophomore year, so freshman year was okay. Sophomore year, he, um, he and some friends decided to gather up some um, uh, Xanax, which is street term is Xan bars. And Carson decided to try one. And he then um, took them all. There mm. was eight of them. Mm. And he was high for 48 hours. So thank God for my church, our church, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because um, at the time, um, Josh, our youth leader, um, w- uh, came to our rescue um, and, and helped. But that going forward, so that was then his first day in in our recovery hospital, Fairbanks. So going forward, he kind of went in and out, and we kind of just started chasing him, and then we kind of saw a um, a pattern of abstinence. Um, then Bender, there's times he's missed like three weeks of school, mm-hmm. and tremendous help from our school and trying to help us and not shun us. And he then um, would then end in a crisis mode, which would end back in rehab. And um, and so basically through his high school years, we chased him until he finally overdosed in October, uh, October 18th of 2019. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So at that point, he did survive. And he, um, when he got out of ICU with a heart problem and uh, hearing loss, mm-hmm. he went back to our recovery hospital, Fairbanks, for, and because we, we had told him, if you start using again, this was now his senior year. And he um, had, he so he had, we had worked with our school so that he can go to school just part-time. So he was really trying and he was going to school part-time. He was working, he was checking in at Fairbanks. He was um, starting this dual diagnosis program and at Riley and he, um, and, but he was still, he he was trying. It's called, I've learned recently that it's actually called ambivalence, where they have one foot in, in you know, on, it's kind of like straddling the fence. Mm. So one one foot in sobriety, one foot not. And he, he just couldn't do it. And um, so once he overdosed, then we finally had to um, rally the troops and we knew he had to leave. Because when we had said, you can't come home if you start using again. Mm. So then he, um, we found a wilderness program for him that out of state in Georgia called Blue Ridge. And then from there, he spent 12 weeks there. And then we moved him to sober living out in Utah, Salt Lake City, Utah, called Balance House. Mm-hmm. All this through help with um, an, a therapeutic consultant and and we got him over there right before lock COVID lockdown, mm, and yeah, yeah, it's such a gift. Yeah, a gift. A gift. And so he is now lives there, resides there. Mm-hmm. He is nineteen months sober. Mm, that's awesome. He is now, and it gives me the chills. Yeah, and this is where I could cry because now he is come full circle, and he is a staff member. He's a field staff member for a therapeutic wilderness program just for boys, 13 to 17-year-olds, and he is a field guide, mentor, and he lives with the kids um, eight days a week, off six, and he and just uses his skills that he's learned mm-hmm. to help them. And so he's living um, recovery every day. And mm-hmm. he is, we have found, not all adolescents are going to, when they experiment, are going to become addicted. It, it It's... The human body, and this is all stuff we've learned, the human body 
and mind wants to write itself. Mm-hmm. And they will do everything possible. Mm-hmm. And as they mature and as their frontal lobe gets uh, more mature and develops, uh, they, I don't know what the percentage is, but they will then, um, they'll stop, you know. And, but for those that are like my Carson, who is, um, it's all or nothing. He's, um, he's a polysubstance user. He's what I call, he's got it bad. So he will always have to have it in the front. He can't just go, oh, that never happened. Mm -hmm. So he tries to work and recover. He's going to have to probably work or be around recovery, um, uh, industry mm-hmm. to probably stay in recovery mm-hmm. and his mentor and case manager at balance house the same he uh just a real quick that will um i love him and he's 32 now and looks like he walked off the cover of j crew magazine <laughs> who wouldn't love that i know <laughs> affluent um mm-hmm. southern california boy that found his way into heroin and at 22, mm-hmm. came to Salt Lake City, Utah, to be homeless so he can be close to a drug dealer. Now, this is um, the paraphrased version, and I learn a little bit more each time I'm with Carson mm-hmm. when we're visiting, and I'm with Will. Mm-hmm. And um, so he now is, and he works for Bounce House, and he now, because he went through the program. Mm-hmm. They have a four-step program there. So they spend a lot of time together, and he will always work in recovery. Yeah. And his wife now isn't, you know, they met at Sober Softball and she is in recovery. Mm, it's a wow. big recovery out, uh, yeah. community out there. Mm-hmm. So, so that is hopefully the condensed version. <laughs> yeah. So, well, Don, as, as we're listening, I think that you were saying you were getting goosebumps, you were tearing mm-hmm. up. I think that's where we were as well. And for those that are listening, because you share this story in such an unfiltered mm-hmm. way. You just share out of your heart and experience in ways that I think so often we don't hear, especially about addiction and recovery. And I wonder what has changed or what has motivated you to be able to share this story in that way? Well, at first, only a few people, Mindy um, and church family and mm-hmm. small group, and a small amount of my family, and and we don't we you know we we didn't do the nitty gritty, but because it's there's a stigma around it. Um, mm-hmm. Well, you need to kick him out. Well, you need to be harder on him. Well, you need to take his car away and his phone away and his laptop away, and and he needs to not do baseball and he needs to not do football, and and so you just keep it to yourself. Mm-hmm. So it's there's a big stigma for the families mm-hmm. and addiction alone. It, it's it's the worst stigmatized. Um, it's below God love our homeless, but a lot of our homeless are are, are addicts, mm-hmm. and they're usually addicts because of mental illness. Mm-hmm. So um, when his overdose happened, um, he we had to we had to get transparent, and because we had to reach out because we needed help saving him, mm-hmm. and so that's when it where it all started. Mm-hmm. You know, something that I thought about as I hear you tell your story, and I've gotten the privilege, I think, to to walk with you through some of this, but Don, when you talk about this journey that you've been on, I just don't, I hear a lot of love. 
I don't hear a lot of bitterness or even anger coming through. And I'm so curious how you got to that place. Because education. Mm-hmm. Educate, educate, educate. I wanted to know why. Why is this happening? And here's the thing. My dad and Sloan's dad are, um, my dad is a functioning alcoholic, recovered. His dad um, finally recovered, but he was more like how Carson is, more the bender type. So I would talk to him about addiction. I don't drink myself. I stopped drinking at 18. Yes, I was a teenage, you know, um, as they do, experiment. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I didn't like... um, I didn't, I didn't like how our, our dining room table became, you know, um, when I was growing up and my dad had had a couple drinks and he got melancholy. And, and I even told Sloan, my husband, I said, uh, you know, when we got married, I said, we will not be that family that comes home from work and cocktails. I'm sorry. I just can't do that. Mm-hmm. I know where it leads. So, so the boys knew this. Um, so... Okay, tell me again. So how do you keep bitterness out and lead with, okay. I think, the love and compassion? Okay, so sorry about that. I kind That's of okay. went, um, So <laughs> Those so, are welcome. Just yeah. so you know. Okay, like, good. We welcome like, uh, diversions and extra details. Because, yeah. you know, I'm just going to blame everything on menopause, but there you go. You can edit that out. Oh, but don't. <laughs> but don't, 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 don't. Because this is the well. Right. That's Unfold. right. You are invited to the well. <laughs> And then you all can tell who I'm talking about. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I have had conversations with my father over the year, and when he listens to this, he, he knows I, I love him and that this is just our journey. But I used to say I can, I would cut I, I, addiction if it affected me, in substance use affected me, or alcoholism affected me in our relationship. I'd cut you off the knees mm-hmm. until it came to my son. Mm-hmm. And then I think about Mary a lot. I I thought about Mary a lot. And going, whoa, okay. Now here's the thing, though, that Jesus was obviously doing good things. And my son, and I still thought, well, I don't don't want to sacrifice. I'm all about sacrificing my sons, like Mary did, for the greater good. Okay, this is not very good. So what do we do about this? But I just couldn't stop. I couldn't. Everybody would say, well, you need to just, you know, like turn your back on him. I you, how do you do that to your child? Mm-hmm. You can't do that to your child. So I just, you know, educate myself. I read Beautiful Boy by David Sheff. Mm-hmm. I follow him mm-hmm. um, on Twitter. He, you know, I think he now follows me. I don't know. <laughs> of course he does. Why wouldn't he? I know. Exactly. We've gone and seen him speak. I've, you know, watched him on like, webinars and Zoom kind of things over this past year. And, um, and, and just educating myself that it is a disease. Mm-hmm. And I realized once we could realize that this wasn't just bad behavior, like Houston, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. We have a problem. So then, how can I help him? Because in the end, I'm like, if my kid had cancer, I'm not going to say, I'm sorry, I can't help you. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's that's why. And now I'm part of it. In fact, Carson, by the grace of God, he survived, and he his hearing loss. He had, wears hearing aids now, and he says, "That's okay, mom. That is the consequences of my using." And he knows and he blesses me for being able to talk openly about his story. Mm -hmm. Um, And he says, Mom, what are you going to do with all this? And I'm like, well, if I can help a a family, if I can help another adolescent, if I can help 
And then I said, and um, I'm not, that doesn't matter. That does, and, you know, and I just want everybody to know it's, it's not a moral failing. Mm-hmm. It's not a character, character default. Mm-hmm. Now, I am going to say this, that when they are in active use, anybody, adult, Adolescent. Well, we already know that adolescents can be little. Mm, beep. Mm. <laughs> Edit. Edit. Anyway, and so an adult with addiction, it 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 it, it transforms your brain. Mm-hmm. So they will. It, it's it's hard to love an addict. Mm-hmm. It truly is mm-hmm. um, when they're in active use. So I give you that. And there are boundaries. I do say to everybody, there's boundaries that you need to do. And we that's a whole nother segment another podcast, but, um, I just, you just have to, you just have to love them and not judge them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and which is hard for me as a mother is and, and try to find some healthy detachment. Now, some people say, um, that might be, you know, a little, that's even a little, um, harsh, but it, it's, um, cause there's a fine line between, you know, enabling and helping, you know, so, Anyway, it just, um, all I just say is just love. Just love. Mm-hmm. Love. Mm-hmm. Well, and I love that you talked about loving with boundaries mm-hmm. because that is, that's that gray space that we've talked about wanting to create here. Right. Is, mm-hmm. You know, you can be all in and love your son. It doesn't mean cutting him off, but it also means knowing when you need to say, hey, this isn't working. We right. need to recalibrate and, and figure something out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the you know like this first time when we it took us forty eight hours to rally uh, to wrangle him not rally him wrangle him, and get him into Fairbanks and I'm calling Josh on the phone when we finally did get to Fairbanks and I'm like he's gonna leave he's gonna bolt, he, um, what do I do and he's like do you need me to get him over there and I'm like and then luckily there's locked doors and there's people coming out and going hey buddy, um, so <laughs> do it again I did it again. What did you just say? What did you guys just say? Well, we were talking about boundaries. Boundaries. But I'm, I'm going to help you because okay. I'm, I'm listening intently and you're talking about your story and the research that you had to mm-hmm. do that helped inform how you responded to Carson. But you're also talking about people in your community that help walk with you on yes. this journey. And for some people listening... They're tuning in because they're either struggling with addiction mm-hmm. or they're struggling to love someone with addiction. Mm-hmm. And some of us that are listening may be questioning, how can I be that supportive person right. like Josh or the people in your small group or the pastor whose hair you cut? <laughs> so what's what's the unfiltered advice you have for those folks on how to best show up for somebody else? It, it's... It, again, it's to love without judging. And a lot of times for families, you know, um, it's it's supporting the family that's trying to help their kid. Um, and that kid could be adolescent. It could be young adult. Mm-hmm. It could be their adult children. And um, and in, and not to be afraid to reach out and ask for help. And then for those that are actually struggling with addiction, I tell you, um, that you're not alone, mm. that, um, I know there's a lot of shame and stigma around it, but I'm telling you that there are people out there and there are resources to help you. This you have, just like if you had diabetes or asthma, 
you can you can manage it. We haven't found a cure for it yet, but mm-hmm. we you, it could be managed. There is med therapy. There's all there's talk therapy. There's all kinds of things. And by someone just reaching out, you are making a step towards change. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing I would say too is um, for families, partnership to end addiction, um, drugfree.org, a huge amount of resources. It is for families that have adolescent, young adult, and adult children struggling with addiction. Um, and then for those that are addicted, go to a meeting. Go go to an AA meeting. D- do whatever it takes to not use. And it's just one day at a time. You know what? Sometimes when you go to a meeting, they'll say, you, know, you they'll say, hi, I'm Dawn, and I am an alcoholic, and I have been sober for five minutes. And they will stand up and cheer you on. Mm-hmm. And also, I want to say that relapse is a part of recovery. Mm-hmm. So... Do not feel bad mm-hmm. and go again to a meeting or go to your local recovery hospital or go to your doctor or just call your mom. Because <laughs> when in doubt, call your mom if you can call your mom. If not, call your super aunt, mm-hmm. call your pastor, call, just call anybody mm-hmm. to say, I am struggling. Can you help me? You know, as you're talking about both as a family or as someone who is struggling with addiction, the thing that popped into my head is you start moving forward when you can shed shame. Mm -hmm. Like shame seems to be the thing that blocks us. It blocks us from our community, from telling our stories, Mm -hmm. from saying, I've relapsed, I need to start over again. Mm -hmm. Um, Did you see any way that you really worked to stay away from shame or help Carson not get caught in that shame cycle? Um, I I I don't think I had a, uh, well, Maybe he feels more transparent and, and open and um, humble about it by acknowledging. And then by acknowledging, he doesn't feel so um, shamed because he is, like, in control of his recovery, I Like guess. owning it. Owning yeah. it. He's owning it. That's uh-huh. what it is. Hmm. I think owning it. That's it. what it is, is owning it. Owning it that, yep, yep, I'm, we're that family. We're that family that had um, police cars and officers and ambulances at our house quite regularly for four years. So, yep, you just have to say this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. And, and that it's not bad parenting. Mm-hmm. It's it's not a bad kid. I mean, um, you say, someone would say, okay, what does a drug addict look like? Well, in this day and age, I'm telling you, it's for our adolescents. It looks like any one of our kids, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. It's not the poor homeless person that is down on Skid Row, Skid Row in quotes, you know? It's with social media, um, it, um, I'm going to slam them, but Snapchat, they, it, um, it's too easy to get. Mm. It's easy to get. Uh, drug dealers deliver, and unfortunately the drug dealers are the other adolescents. Because mm-hmm. they're being recruited. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I don't know. And, you know, they're not, the, the kids are desensitized. We have lack of education in the schools and in our homes. And the drugs are much more potent, too. So, I mean, we, we're kind of fighting an uphill ba- battle. And But by doing this podcast, too, it, it 
hopefully we can get something out there that can start a movement. So. Mm-hmm. I, I, as I'm listening to you, you know, you share all these resources, you share your own experiences, but it's all encapsulated with your faith as well. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if there is a particular scripture or song or expression of your faith that you go to in the midst of this recovery process when things get hard. Well, um, so yes, (laughs) I have never prayed so hard in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, I have seen the power of prayer and even Carson now would say, um, he, he believes it. And because he, he, he just told my my stepmother, his grandmother, that he went on a hike and and he and he lays down at the top of I don't even know it's um, in Salt Lake nine thousand feet let's say lays down looks up at the sky and goes how did I get here? Mm. And he just said to me the other day, he said, Mom, he texted me and I was at the grocery store and he says I just want to let you know that I'm just thinking about you and I, I just love you and heart 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 okay and he was out in the wilderness working. So later on that night, he called, and I said, so what was that about? <laughs> and he said, um, I had, in the wilderness, he goes, I just was having a dream. And when I have a dream, you know, I just, and, and I don't know if he wasn't, didn't want to tell me the whole story, or he couldn't remember, but he just said, well, you know, I just think that when I'm back home, I want to go to church. And I said, I go, okay, well, when we're out there, we can go to church. He goes, no, 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 I want to go back to St. Luke's. Hmm. Honest to God. He said wow. that. I said, Okay, and I don't know, we haven't gone further on that and mm-hmm. said, because he's been high here a couple times, mm-hmm. Christmas Eve, and, um, you know, I don't know if he wants to make amends. That's maybe part of his making amends, mm-hmm. but anyway. So, and then the other thing is um, the song from for um, King and Country. Um, okay, now I just lost it. Um, I wrote you it. You can sing it. <laughs> you look really excited. God only knows. Thank you. <laughs> God only knows what I want to say to you right now. Yeah, because my my family go stick to hairdressing. So yeah, so that and then um, when we dropped him off at Wilderness, um, I I sent a Facebook thing out saying I just want um, to let you know we dropped him off and I just want to thank you for all the support and um, it just reminds me of the scripture of the shepherd that leaves his flock of ninety nine mm. to go out and find. That lonely one, mm-hmm. you know, the lonely one who's lost in the world. There is a lot of people who have lifted this boy up. Mm-hmm. And then I do, I have the guilt too that I'm like, it's kind of probably like survivor's guilt or or something else that, why, and, and, and Carson actually does this too. Why me? Why did I survive? Because I'm going to tell you, mm-hmm. and this is a truth, we are at six or seven kids under the age of 21 that have overdosed Mm -hmm. accidental nobody plans overdose it -hmm. wasn't it wasn't suicidal and um two survived carson being one of them Mm -hmm. wow so my faith is that um god has he has a plan he's got a plan for carson he's got a plan you know He's just got a plan. He just, I don't know. I don't know where it's going, but my faith is strong, and I never gave up on that. I just wish that he, driving down the road, that maybe God could have given me a little billboard that said, look, Carson's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I had to go on faith, which is believing in what you do not see, mm-hmm. you know? And um, and that's hard, because I can do it for myself, 
But when you do it for your, it's hard for your children Mm -hmm. or even your spouse. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, I can't see their faith developing. I mean, as I get older, I guess you might now Carson. I mean, he's 20. I look what we had to go through. But Mm -hmm. anyway. But then the text messages come when you're in a grocery store. Ah. Yes. When you least expect them. Yes. Because God is building that faith that you can't see, not just in you, but in the people around you and in the people that are listening right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. It's hopeful. I just want, they're in the, and kids can change and um, people can change and they do want to change. It's, it's in our nature. You know, they don't, nobody asked to be addicted. Nobody asked to, you know to struggle so Mm -hmm. you know I think that one of the things that we would not want to miss the opportunity to ask uh, we were in a conversation with uh, someone else once who talked about how she had to unlearn Mm -hmm. things over the last 40 years to Mm. to continue with the journey that God had her on now and before we get to our last question, because we literally could sit here all day, I, I would yeah. have many, many more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, as you look back at this journey, what did you have to unlearn so that you could arrive here in this place, as, as Mindy was talking about, without bitterness, without anger? Is understanding the... Um the basis of addiction and that addiction is not a moral failing and is not a character default. It's a disease. It's not in the frontal lobe like they thought years ago. And they're learning more and more all the time. It is in the middle brain. It has to do with our reward um, center. And it and just educate, and I say educate, you just have to educate yourself on it in that it'll just help you have more empathy and sympathy for, for those that are struggling. And it's hard because I don't think I do have it, but um, that a gene, there is a gene. Um, it's a 50-50. could happen to you. could happen to me. might not happen to you. So um, it's just be awareness and, and just just don't judge and don't be so hard on yourself. Mm. You know, I did the best I can and I'll keep doing it. Mm-hmm. And, and you just can't give up either. Mm-hmm. So. Well, Don, we are just so grateful for you and your story and for Carson and his journey and his, I think, his courage. Mm-hmm. And do you know, just speaking of courage, um, Deuteronomy 31.6, is it Deuteronomy 30, about courage? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's what it yes. is. That's what, uh-huh. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> we believe faster. you. Yeah. Okay. I'm looking Someone's at- Someone's going to Google it, yeah. right? I know. Mm-hmm. I know. So, okay, The Rock, he did for confirmation because we were confirmation leaders, and he, so they had to pick a scripture. I think it is 31.6. I'm looking, I'm trying to visualize it. And so they did, and they painted it what it is, and I took it out to him. And so it sits in his apartment. I said, Courage, buddy, courage right there. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder if that's a, a question for everyone listening kind of what, what visual reminder? do you need to place in front of yourself in this season to, to just reaccess courage? Because that's, all of us have some place in our life where we're recovering, mm-hmm. all of us. Mm-hmm. And as I listen to your story, we cannot do that, not only without God, without community, but without courage. Okay. I and mean, that's the lesson that I'm taking 
from listening to you and mm. your courageous sharing of your story, your family's story. I even even as you were talking, you kept saying, "This is our family." You didn't say, "This is Carson." No. You just you kept saying, "This is mm. our family," and that claiming of him. I think that that's one of the fears when you do something that can create distance between you and your family. You can keep doing it when you feel as if there's nothing that's going to make up mm -hmm. that distance or that gap. Mm -hmm. And that, that I, I can't help but that to think about that's how God loves us. And that's why we can be unfiltered. And that's why your story, your family story matters. Mm -hmm. So thank you for sharing it with us. You're so welcome. And for yeah. cutting Mindy's hair so that she looks fly every she's time. All right. You know, I got to put a blog or a, a plug in for, so over COVID, I um, wrote our story. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it's um, called Chasing Carson, A Family's Journey Through Adolescence, um, Adolescent Addiction and Recovery. Mm -hmm. And then I've just started a blog to go with it, and we're hoping to launch um for September, which is National Recovery Month. Mm. So, um, and that the blog is adolescentaddictionandrecovery.com. Okay. So it's it's under construction, but there's a few things you guys mm -hmm. can go to and, yeah. and look. So I, I just, that. It, so another thing is to be preventative. How can we be preventative? Mm -hmm. How can we get to the beginning so we don't end up here, you mm -hmm. know, as right. much as we can? So, and just say no isn't working. Mm -hmm. So Right, so. right. So thank you, ladies, yeah. for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. And... And praise God. Just praise God. Mm -hmm. Well, you're not off the hook yet. No. Oh, we have oh, a last question. <laughs> oh, we have to oh. ask our signature question. <laughs> oh, which oh. is what's filling your well? Okay. So, Phil. So, what is filling your well, Dawn? You guys. Yeah. Oh. That was so good. Seriously, was I was good. walking into church and going, I love my church, I love my church, I love my church. I just, um, other women in my life, um, men in my life, because I've had a gaggle of men that have come to our side. I mean, from the f first time that it happened, text and Sloan, it's our small group guys, and um, shout out to them. And they they were like, what do you need us to do? Need us to come get him? Mm -hmm. Is he locked in his room? Where is he? Do you need us to go around Broderpool and find him? You know, just um, that fills my well. Just, mm -hmm. just that. And God just being walking alongside of us. And um, and and just, just faith and hope and love and if you do everything through love, then how can anything go wrong? Mm -hmm. So that's what fills my well. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Dawn. Yeah, you're very welcome. Yeah, I hope that you, as you heard Dawn's story, maybe you found pieces of your own story. Um, maybe you found, as Nicole mentioned, your own invitation to engage in recovery in some way. But I would just say, you know, if this is a story that you're living, whether you're a family or you yourself are struggling with addiction, um, just to reach out and we'll put some notes that Donna has mentioned, some of those resources on our webpage that you can look at and you can access. Um, but I'm glad that we could create this space at the well and I'm, I'm glad for you. So, so thanks for being with us. And thank you, thank you. And friends, we will see you back here at the well next time. Thank you.